Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. We are currently experiencing the largest and fastest religious shift in the history of our country. Jim Davis and Michael Graham have written a book called The Great De-Churching, Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? Uh, here's, the, here's the truth. The big religious shifts of the past were the periodic Great Awakenings that, beginning in the mid-1700s, led to surges in religious attendance. Now, this is the opposite. Some 40 million Americans once went to church but have stopped going, mostly in the last quarter century. And what they write is, that more people have left the church in the last 25 years than all new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and Billy Graham Crusades combined. That is wow. a lot of people. Wow. Now, this is not a surprise to those of us who go to church because we've seen the numbers around us on Sundays or Saturday nights or whenever slowly declining. But I think they, the, the number of them is what's so shocking. Staggering. The fact that it's happening, uh, we've all seen when you look at those numbers, it, it, it does feel like we're in the middle of something overwhelming. Yep. Jim Davis is with us along with Michael Graham and Ryan Burge. They have written the great Dechurching. Jim Davis is a teaching pastor at Orlando Grace Church, host of the As in Heaven podcast, and he joins us now. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, Jim, I, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate the uh, research and work that you guys put into this book. Uh, it's obviously been the subject of a ton of conversation all across our country, um, as is appropriate. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do justice to it in the amount of time we have, but we're sure going to try. Um, but instead of starting in our current time, I think I want to start where John started when you were just coming on the air, which was um, the three periods of rapid growth we had in the U.S., um, talk about what we can learn from those and then how it's the same or different than we see this decline now. Yeah, that's a really good question. So most people, um, you know, kind of think of 1776 as uh, a time when everybody went to church in the United States, but really it was just about 17% of, of those living in the newly formed United States of America. Of course, the, the first Great Awakening had a big impact. Then the second Great Awakening had a big impact. Uh, that the second Great Awakening being after 1776. And then what most people don't realize is the largest uh, religious shift that we've had in our country previous to now was actually the 25 years post-Civil War. Um, our shift now, you talked about the numbers, but yeah. in terms of percentage, is 25% times greater than that just going the opposite direction. Wow. Okay. So 
Yeah, when we look at this, the Civil War numbers, we can't, I mean, what was going on in the country was obviously unprecedented. We haven't seen anything like it since. So to right. think that that impacted how people looked at church and what their beliefs were is just makes sense. Uh, but this doesn't make as much sense to me. Um, maybe it does to you. So talk about what happened starting in the 1990s and why we're going in the opposite direction. Yeah, the 1990s was really the beginning of uh, of what we're seeing. So the the number of people going to church, of course, the nuns, Reinberg, the book, the nuns, um, that group, which means you know no religious affiliation in particular, that group was just steadily and slowly climbing, um, but very very like a point you know a year through the 70s, which was our high water mark, and then the 80s. But in the 90s, it really started with the end of the Cold War. Uh, you know, before, during the Cold War, to be Christian and to be American, those were almost synonymous, synonymous terms. I can remember as a kid, if somebody said, I'm not a Christian, it wasn't uncommon for the next question to be, well, are you a communist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's during true. The, it was our, our, our struggle against the godless atheists. And that's when, uh, not by coincidence, uh, in the, under the Eisenhower administration, we got, uh, in God we trust on our money and under God on our, uh, in our pledge. That's the Cold War is what brought that about. So when the Cold War ended, there was freedom for the first time to culturally be an American, a patriotic American, but not a Christian. At the same time, of course, the internet is coming, not just a, about three years later after the fall of the Soviet Union, internet cafes come about. Uh, internet is also in libraries, in, uh, in schools. So for the first time, you could not only you could not only voice your um, in certain well in certain areas of the country you could say I'm not a Christian and that wasn't a big deal in other areas you still couldn't really talk about it especially in the South but you had access online to uh, interact and research other worldviews and then there really was something to the rise of the religious right politically mm -hmm. and our feeling is that that some of that you know the the religious right, some people who really already didn't want to be Christian would look at that and say, or didn't want to identify as Christian, would look at that and say, well, if that's Christian, I'm out. You know, so what's interesting is in 2001, so we're just past the close of the decade, of course, 9-11 happens, which we just remembered well yesterday. And now, all overnight, our country's enemies are no longer godless atheists, but religious fundamentalists. And then you have a whole other crew who would say, well, if that's what religion does, I'm out. And the feeling is in the 90s, people were de-churching on the secular left, and, and many of them from mainline Roman Catholic churches, uh, looking at their orthodoxy scores, they probably weren't Christians to believe to begin with, and mm. these gave them the excuses they were looking for. Now, you fast forward to today, and the secular right is de-churching at twice the speed of the secular left. Mm. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit and also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. 
former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address, and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit. And also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. So, Jim, uh, there you are as a pastor in Orlando. Now, um... Of course, uh, you know, Orlando, uh, necessarily the center of Mickey Mouse land, but, you know, you know Orlando <laughs> well, and um, you and Michael Graham get together, um, and, and of course, in a little bit of a bubble in some way, because Orlando is a hotbed of evangelical ministry. W- what was it that raised the idea of, hey, something's really amiss that caused you and Michael to get together and start to talk about the, the great de-churching? Yeah, it's funny that you, you, you mentioned, you know, that Orlando is, you know, in the 1990s, it felt like Orlando was becoming a kind of Christian Mecca. You had Reformed Theological Seminary moved here, and then you had Campus Crusade for Christ, the largest missions organization, you know, parachurch missions organization in the world. You had other, about a dozen other ministries. Some of the churches in Orlando were particularly um, nationally known. And then in 2017, uh, Barna did a report, actually came out in 18, but the research was from 17, that Orlando had the same percentage of evangelicals as New York City and Seattle. And it, it just struck us. Wow, in a, pla- you know, in a place that has a lot fewer uh, people population-wise? We see, we, it's the Orlando metropolitan area, which would include Melbourne and Daytona. Okay. But the percentage was the same. And, and, it, and what we started to think about is why then does Orlando feel so different than New York and Seattle culturally? And it was easy to see most of the people that we interacted with who don't go to church, they used to. And they still carried with them some of their uh, religious foundation. And in, in many cases, we looked at them and, and it seemed like they're Christians. They just weren't going to church. And, you know, at the same time, we're hearing, you know, you hear on from Twitter pundits in the New York Times, it seems like everybody leaving the church is has deconverted. They're angry at the church. They want nothing to do with the faith. But that wasn't our experience. They didn't seem to all be monolithically in that category. Interesting. And it just led us to want to do more research. But there was no research to find. Hmm. So then you find Ryan Burge. Ryan's a regular guest on our show. And his ministry, and it certainly is a ministry, is very deep in the numbers. I mean, he's high in the grass looking at Christianity in this country. And he supports the numbers, creates the numbers to talk about the the rise and fall of Christianity. Yeah, Ryan is a jewel. He's a diamond in a rough. People should really, I mean, he is a true expert in data and religion in the United States. And we were so thankful to meet him, uh, to be connected to him because I mean, his, the research that we're writing from is top notch, academically peer reviewed. You know, it couldn't even be done until the science behind it was verified. And, uh, he and his 
partner, Paul Jupe, did this, and I'm just so thankful. And one of the reasons that what people don't realize, one of the reasons books like this are not written very often is because, is because the research is so expensive. We had to raise $100,000 just to do the research, so we're never going to make money on the book. <laughs> um, and books like this are not are not money makers because the research costs so much money but our goal is not to make money our goal is to start a national conversation about something that is happening and it feels like we don't understand what's happening mm-hmm. very well as as a church I, I think about this jim and i don't know if there's a lot of truth to this but i believe there is at least from my perspective when i look at the rise of cable television in the last 60 years and then of course along with cable television the 24 7 presence of pastors, televangelists like Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Swaggart, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, uh, Creflo Dollar, Joyce Meyer, all those presence, those personalities, all that preaching and teaching, say what you will about it, it was 24-7. And it made its way into mainstream America, so much so that it was often time to parody itself on Saturday Night Live and other comedy shows. People who would never step inside a church in many ways, knew these people culturally. And I believe in some ways that essentially poisoned the pot in some way that made people who may have been curious about entering into a church flee in the opposite direction. What do you think about that? I think sadly some of that's true. And when I talk about the the rise of the religious right, um, you know, we we do see an effect for people. I think people who consciously already don't want to be a part of it, or they're growing up in the church and they, they, they don't, they don't want to stay. I think it's more of an, of a, maybe more of an excuse or a reason saying, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want any part of it. I think the people who are, are actually interested in reasoning out what Christianity is will make their way past that. But technology as a whole, you know, it's, it's morally neutral and it can be used for good or for bad. And sometimes we can score own goals. If you want to use a soccer term uh, in the way that we use it as Christians. Mm Mm-hmm. So what about the things that um, the things that are altering? It's not just TV because it's all sorts of digital media. You know, there are pastors on TikTok. Um, there's mm-hmm. stuff online. You can see endless sermons or endless whatever you want on YouTube. How much is that digital appearance of Christianity um, changing how people become nuns? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, and Ryan Burge would definitely be the expert on that question. But, you know, we, we, I can't help but think about this outside of the, the data that we have in front of us where there are people who are pointing to uh, specific pain points as to why they left the church. Hmm. But the number one reason for leaving the church in our study was I moved. Really? <laughs> it, it, I mean, 30 million of the 40 million people who have left church in, uh, in the past 25 years have done so without any major pain point. They, they've got, they've developed. Really? Other... So they're not angry at the church. They haven't been injured by the church or they, Correct. It, it, they you fall out of the habit and fail to reconnect. Right. I mean, so you, we, we see moving is the number one reason. And so we have that, that's changed even some of our ministry strategies here in Orlando as people move here and as people move away. But, uh, you know, some people, their kids got really involved in uh, athletics and Sunday morning is when travel sports happen. I talked to a sweet Christian woman who had three kids in seven leagues and Sunday morning just wasn't available anymore. <laughs> um, and then becoming a single parent, however that happens, 
uh, often causes people to have to work long hours or unusual hours. So if Sunday morning is even available to them anymore, um, they're tired, they're worn out. And so they're, and actually what we've seen is, is de-churching is affecting the lower educated, lower income brackets much more than the middle and upper classes mm. Be- because those That's life change changes hit them uh, harder. So that's interesting. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit and also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address, and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit and also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. You do talk about this in the great de-churching, that... Uh, the more educated class of people tend to be the ones who populate churches now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Only 3% of evangelicals in our study who had a master's degree had de-churched. So, so education is uh, the more educated an evangelical is. There's no question. The more likely they are to stay in church, which, which challenges the uh, traditional boogeyman of higher secular education taking our children away. Yeah, it really does. I mean, of all the things you've I mean, there are a lot of things in this book that were surprising, but that was one of the big ones is I just, I would never have expected that. Especially because yeah, we didn't either. And, no, go ahead, yeah. Jim. You finish. Well, well, we didn't expect it either, and it's something that Ryan Burge has continued to develop on, and, and he has some really interesting stats and theories um, on that online for people to Google. Mm, it also challenges um, our perspective that, uh, like, I guess the mainline media perspective, which is that people who believe in God are dumb or are anti-science. It does. It really does. So then where does this lead us all? If all these millions and millions of people have left the church simply because they moved, 
how does the church respond to that? I mean, how do you capture people? What's the welcome mat look like in those places where people are leaving rust belts and moving to, you know, the, the sun belts? Yeah, and this is so as a city that's receiving a lot of people, yeah. um, you know, we've we've really tried to mobilize our, you know, first responders of sorts to new people in our city. So school administrators, teachers, mm-hmm. realtors, who are the people who first meet new people? And and there's the there's an assumption that oh, I'm going to show them a house or a school, and 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 if they're Christian, they'll find a church. But we're kind of challenging them to to help them make that that connection sooner than later. But I really think as a lot of churches, we need to, before we can really effectively look at the welcome mat, I I think we need to look at the exit door and understand why people are leaving our churches in our context. And we're going to learn a lot through that. And some, some of it's hard to hear, but the truth is our friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the chapters that was most interesting to me uh, is called The Missed Generational Handoff. It's the 10th chapter of your book, Jim, and it, it talks about passing our faith from generation to generation. And you start off by saying that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you looked in a church, you would often see people of multiple generations in the same family sitting together. So, you know, grandma and grandpa are there and mom and dad and kids and what. And that has really shifted over the last decade. Um, you tell the story in here first about someone by the name of Lucy, and she's, she's you know, a fictional person uh, to kind of make an example for the reader about what's going on with kids. And so, you know, Lucy goes to high school or goes to elementary school, junior high, goes to an evangelical church. You know, she likes it, but she doesn't really fit in. Uh, they have a special service for junior high and high school kids. She's not all that interested in it, but she goes, eh, you know, whatever. But then she starts playing soccer. She starts to get involved with that. Then she gets a boyfriend. She starts becoming sexually active. And the more she gets involved with soccer, the more she stops being available Sunday morning, and then the more her parents stop going on Sunday morning. And it's not too long before they're just going on Christmas and Easter. She doesn't have anybody to talk to about how she's feeling about being sexually active when she grew up thinking that it was something that you saved for marriage. She couldn't talk to her parents about it. There was nothing going on at church. And so over the next three or four years, she ends up being kind of ruled by her soccer schedule. Uh, Church becomes an afterthought. And then when she needs something and wants to talk about serious questions who's there nobody there um so tell us about lucy and what that tells us about what's happened in america yeah we use the data obviously to develop these stories it's easy to develop though when we've seen it so so often around us but we learned that there's no question the hardest period of, of life to uh, the hardest years to maintain your faith are between the ages of 13 and 30, which breaks up roughly into three different life uh, transitions. You have your high school years. For uh, many people, you have your college years and then establishing your life as a new young professional. So, you know, Lucy, this fictional character that fits the data very well. Uh, I mean, 28% of D-Church Evangelicals said that this was the stage of life when it was most difficult to maintain their faith. Yeah. And, you know, even as you re remind me of that story, you know, I, I do think about so many churches that, um, that where they are, the students are segmented from church life until, in some cases, through high school. And they're, they're ne- we're never really showing them what it looks like to be a part of the broader intergenerational uh, people of God. 
And so I, I think the opportunity in front of us, you know, she she uh, exhibits the opportunity in front of us because we're not just about getting people in pews and money and coffers. The the children of the dechurched will, statistically speaking, likely be unchurched. And so there's a generational opportunity here for churches not only to engage the dechurched outside the church, but to think about how it is we're discipling our young people and what is a comprehensive plan. What is our goal from age one to eighteen to be able to send these these young men and women out into the world in a way where they can be fruitful. Mm -hmm. Jim, you also say in the book that Lucy was a product of the 13% of de-churched evangelicals in your survey whose parents stopped bringing them to church because life got busy. Mm. That's true. And, you know, I see, I see this around so much, you know, life gets busy. You, 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 you know, your kids, my kids right now are 15, 13, 12, and eight. And I get the pressure as you know, to, to keep up, yeah, with, of course. to keep your kids with their friends and their sports, to do travel sports. And, and, and it's a real pressure. And given my DNA, there's no, uh, there's no hope of anybody playing D1 college, anything. <laughs> but just to keep up, let our friends, our children stay with their friends and do the sports. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit and also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address, and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit and also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Pressure's immense, and our culture does not protect Sunday morning anymore, which is a lot of the reason we see the rise of the Saturday evening service, which I don't have a problem with. It's yeah. just it, it's, uh, We're trying to get around uh, the busier and busier life. We have more money. We're able to travel more than we were 50 years ago, and it just creates... Uh, uh, it creates the need for parents to really talk about what are our priorities because we can't get it. We can't do everything. And we shouldn't be surprised that when we don't bring our kids to church regularly, that when they leave the home, that they wouldn't start going. Right. So, Jim, uh, it is sad in some ways and is shocking in other ways as 
you and uh, Michael wrote in uh, The Great Dechurching. Of course, um, American Christianity is one thing, and worldwide Christianity is a whole other story. And so as I read and think about this, people receding from attending regular church, is this maybe a a temporary blip? I mean, to be honest, when I think about it, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, It certainly changed the culture and how we look at each other in the world. Um, Your hope for the future, uh, do you see an upswing in this, or are we headed down a path here where maybe we won't recover? Well, that's the real question. If I'm going to back up and let's talk about the big picture, we know how the story ends. (laughs) We know that that, that Jesus comes back. There's Mm -hmm. a new heaven. There's a new earth. We also know there are more Christians living today on the earth than have ever lived, than every Christian ever the first 1900 years combined. What's going on in the global east and global south is phenomenal. Um, But what's also surprised us is how many of these the de-churched Americans are willing to come back. Over 51% of de-churched evangelicals are willing to come back today. Uh, some of the orthodoxy scores of the de-churched evangelicals are higher than than people who still go to church. So by all measurements, it seems like these people are Christians. Uh, and as for the ones, well, many of these people are Christians, but at the same time, we think about Jesus's parable of the weeds and the wheat, and he warned us that there will be those in the who look like they're in the kingdom and they are not. And maybe, maybe there is a purification happening that will be good for the church. Yeah. But culturally, you know, I will say that even uh, someone who wants nothing to do with Christianity should, should care about this because about 40% of our social safety net in the United States of America is funded by religious nonprofits. I mean, Kath and I talk about this regularly. I mean, and you, and you, I'm sure, read the articles as well, that people are so hungry for community. That people, we just read this past week, we read, oh, I, I wish I had some place to go to on Sunday morning that wasn't necessarily the church. Right, that was an NPR story yeah. last week. People want to gather. They mm-hmm. need, we need each other. But they don't want to do it through a church. Yeah, it's interesting because what the sociological categories that have been used for over 100 years are belief, belong, and behave. Mm-hmm. And and what we're seeing is that a lot of the de-churching isn't actually a belief issue. Um, now, some of it is for sure, but a lot of it is actually a belonging issue. And so you, you see the reasons that many of the de-church evangelicals would want to come back, and they're all belonging-based. If my friends went, if my uh, family went, if I found a good pastor, if I felt lonely, those were the reasons that people said they would come back. Now, the sad truth is, you know, I in my own life, I, uh, I've, made, I've been very consistent about working out and going to the gym. Uh, some things happened in early summer that took me out, and I haven't gotten back into it. I know I should go back. I want to go back, but I still haven't gone back. And so I, for me, that kind of... For a lot of these de-churched evangelicals and de-churched from other other uh, theological streams, they they feel it. They know they need it, especially if they are believers. Uh, of course, biblically speaking, they were made for it. Um, and so, I think the call as Christians is to to invite those people to come back, to to invite them into that kind of community, even if it's just a community group or something that that bridges the gap. Mm-hmm. Well, my fear is, you know, the church is so different. The culture especially drives this more so than ever. The people outside the church, even those who have left the church, and especially those who have never been part of the church, look at people who are in the church and go, bigot, homophobe, transphobe. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to be part of that group? 
Yeah, and so in in the 20th century, we as an and I'm I come from an evangelical um, context, so I'll speak to that. I, we emphasize the truth of the Bible and the gospel, yes. and you see see that in our sermons and our apologetic methods and our evangelistic strategies. Now, certainly, the Bible and the gospel is true, but Jesus is also good and He's beautiful. So I don't think it should surprise us that when we focus on truth at the expense of goodness and beauty, in some cases that you fast forward to the culture that we're in now and people aren't asking, is the Bible true? They're asking, is it good? Is it ethical? And and I, I do think, I will say, as that happens, um, we are returning in a sense to what has been the norm for God's people for thousands of years. We have, for the most part, lived in cultural exile. We have, exper- we have uh, influenced the cultures that we live in from the margins, not from the seat of power. What we've experienced in the United States has been unique in in terms of Christianity around the world today and in the past. And so I also don't think we should be afraid of of returning to that kind of cultural exile, if that's what God has for us. Uh, Because we know that God has worked mightily through uh, exiled Israel in the new church in the Roman Empire in the global east and south today. And I believe that he can do the same thing however our culture goes. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Jim. We want to thank you for being with us, spending uh, the majority of this hour, and for your good work in this project. Excellent work, Jim. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both so much for having me. It's called The Great Dechurching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? We've been talking to Jim Davis, who co-wrote the book with Michael Graham and Ryan Burge. Check it out, because I think it'll make a big difference to how you see the world around you. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up. When I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like. Rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted. Based on my chromosomes. When I grow up. I want to be offended by my coworkers And walk around the office. On eggshells. And have my words policed. By HR. Words like. Grandfather. Peanut gallery. Long time no see. No can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work.